Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hello, friends. Welcome to Unsiloed the show that busts the echo chambers. If you dig hearing opposing perspectives about big issues from a point of mutual respect, if you like debate but love light, not heat, welcome home. I actually have a confession to make. Sort of a, not a, you know this, but confession on the show. Uh Uh-huh. So I, I use smokeless tobacco. Mm-hmm. You know this, even though you didn't know this forever, but you're not the for most... A, for a very long time. You're not the... You have? I didn't know this for a long time. No, I know, but but I can't imagine how you don't know that, but... Because, I mean, you just... I, I, I had never noticed it until you mentioned it to me. All throughout like Me Too, like ago. I had a little I had a little spitter with me and everything. Like you thought I was just drinking coffee the whole time. So it's... This, it's, this, is, this is like not good in my part. It, it's, it's, yeah, it is a little bit how, of how aloof I am. Some of these things lack right? of observational <laughs> skills. You're not going to make a good FBI agent, Jesus. Oh, uh, this um, is kind of sad. Yeah, but yeah. anyway, so here, here's my my. Uh, well, I guess I just made the uh, the confession, right? So I, I've used. So I'm a nicotine addict, which is what it is. If you're addicted mm-hmm. to nicotine, you're a nicotine addict. But um, back in the day, in the day, <laughs> whatever that means. But you know, there was a there was a limited variety of ways that you can ingest nicotine cigarettes, obviously, which mm. are, you know, terrible for you. Right. Smokeless tobacco, which scientifically is significantly less terrible, even though it's not good. Mm-hmm. And then you have this, you know, like, um, uh, basically the cans. So like chewing tobacco was the, like the early iteration. Mm-hmm. And then they started chopping up the, the bigger tobacco into little small pieces and they would put it into these, um, cans. Right. So people, if you've been in a state like Texas or Florida, you might notice that there's like rings around the back of guys's jeans that are mark out the spot where, where the can of nicotine is. Anyway, I'm giving you all this for background because I'm making a point. All right, let's hear it. Over the last, I don't know, probably five years, there has been a shift in both the alcohol and tobacco uh, industries to look at ways to simply transmit the active ingredients in both of those products. And less about the natural product itself. So in other words, look at every kind of vodka-infused seltzer. Every Like there's 50,000 variations, right, of mm-hmm. these kind of seltzer water, but it has booze in it. It doesn't really taste like booze, right? But right, it, right. It, And it, it gives you the, the, the benefits of getting a little buzzed 
without having to deal with what people sometimes feel tastes bad, which is like the extra alcohol. The alcohol, yeah. Like you give somebody who's never had a glass of scotch right. a glass of, they're like, "What is this?" Like turpentine, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like a alcohol transmission vehicle. Well, the same happened in the world of nicotine. So they started coming out, and I'm, I'm showing you one just to give right. you an example of what this is. This is uh, decoupling nicotine from tobacco. Got it. You understand the significance of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, it, there's no tobacco. It's just, just the, nicotine. the nicotine, right? Just for the addict in you. Basically. Just for the addict, okay? And there's not just one of these. There are hundreds right. of these. Right. So here's my rant, okay? And I want uh, your thoughts on it because it's actually it's like, real. Like, give me the crack, hold the pipe. <laughs> hold the pipe. I don't need yeah. or or just give me the yeah, I guess that's probably right. Yeah. Hold the or hold the cocaine, just give me the stuff in the right, right, you know, yeah, whatever yeah, the active ingredient yeah, is that yeah. makes crack crack. <laughs> but here's where I'm going with this, okay? Because yeah. this is real and I really want your opinion on this. In California, we recently had like every state, an election. Mm -hmm. And there were propositions in our state, some which passed, some, some which didn't. We had right. two um, uh, mobile betting propositions that yep. failed. Mm -hmm. We had a number of propositions that passed. Right. One of them that passed was Proposition 31. Mm -hmm. do, you, do you recall this proposition? Yeah. It was against basically flavored tobacco products. Sure. Right. Okay. And it was positioned as something that basically tobacco companies are using to target uh, young kids. At least it was positioned position, as, as being a proposition uh, to prevent tobacco companies from targeting kids by flavoring uh, tobacco. Right. At least that's the way that Correct. all the messaging. Correct. By the way, that's a whole other conversation. Did we actually get into this? Because I, I know we've missed a couple of episodes and been able to chat. But I love the way some of the love air quotes how some of these propositions get completely repackaged. Yeah. Right. Uh, to the point where it's not even about what's actually in there. I it's know. about the messaging behind it. Right. It's about the, whatever message is being packed. It's, it's the, the other one, the, the one, cause the one I'm thinking about is specifically around the clinics, the, um, the dialysis clinics. Oh yeah. One that of was the another one. Best marketing jobs. Like to, the people will to die. Kill a, yeah. It's like, yeah. we're going to shut down clinics. I talked to my parents about that one and I was like, I was like, mom, do you actually know what the proposition is? He's like, what do you mean? Like, what it actually says. What mean. it actually yeah. says. Like what it yeah. actually does. Because yeah. all you hear is the oh, if you do vote for this, it's gonna it's gonna shut down clinics. Yeah, but but why? Like what's causing this something to shut down a clinic? Oh, it's because you actually need to have a doctor, like more available within a certain like area coverage area, so that you don't just basically have all these clinics that are basically running with a bunch of people that have no medical training. It's like the pain clinics and that happen like, in other parts of the country. And yeah. it was like to me, like super hilarious that that was no nowhere in the no, message. No, it was. It was they all actually about use people. This and then you're gonna you're gonna if no. you vote for this, you're gonna you're gonna shut down clinics. Well, they actually had people who were dialysis patients in those commercials saying, sure. "I will be dead if this thing passes." <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Literally said that. So yeah, that's part of this too. So so, so is this a similar situation? Because I honestly did not look at it very similar enough to okay. like to care. So let me let me splice a couple things. But one of them is that I of course am not in favor of getting young people addicted to any it, kind it of. It sounds a little like you are, but okay. well, I'm I'm getting to this. I'm not, but. Uh -huh. The idea of eliminating the flavored tobacco, let's assume that that passes, and it did, it passed. Right. Flavored tobacco, okay? Now, I've just explained to you what this is. Right. What is it? It's a nicotine, like direct nicotine distribution system. Correct. Without any flavor, without anything else. Just and without what? Without any tobacco. Without any tobacco in it. Right, right. Okay, now, I go to the store about a week ago, and I go, hey, can you give me the this packet of this product? And I like the cinnamon version because I like cinnamon, right? So I go right. to the cinnamon one. He's like, he's like, yeah, you better buy it now because on December 21st, 
all of them are gone. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. What do you mean all of them are gone? He's like, anything that is smokeless tobacco, you will not be able to buy here. This is AMPM, right? And I go, but wait a minute. Wasn't the thing against tobacco? He's like, I don't know. And in fact, this same store and a number of stores, because I pay attention to this stuff, right. had signs up in the stores to vote against Proposition 31 because t- nicotine is a huge driver for people walking into right. 7-Elevens and whatever. And this sure. particular store owner was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do because something like half of my purchases for gas, for everything is kind of driven right, by right, this, right? right? And so there's huge impact I'm thinking about. But she basically told me, this woman who owns this, this because I guess they franchise the stores, mm-hmm. that as of December 21st, not only are the tobacco, fil- flavored tobacco products, fl- non-flavored tobacco smokeless stuff is gone and nicotine, no tobacco is gone. So I right. went back and I looked at the actual proposition. And of course, the proposition is written like flavored tobacco. And so here's my question to you. Mm-hmm. Why not simply write the bill like we want to get rid of nicotine, like it would be much broader, right? And you could achieve that that purpose. Mm-hmm. But it was sort of a it was a symbol to me of kind of people not understanding what they're doing, and then ripping out an entire other product. I'm not saying the product's good. I'm just saying it's not covered by the proposition that was passed. So, but in its in, execution, it is. In this, right? But I'm really lost in terms of of. I thought it was pretty simple. Come yeah, on. I'm lost in the sense like. So is this a scenario where the distributors of these products are are taking an overly broad interpretation of this legislation that just got passed? Or is it that the actual legislation, while written poorly, does actually cover for all nicotine products to also be off the shelf? Because to me, it feels like it's really the, the former, not the latter. It, and it, I have no idea, right? It might be. I, I, I mean, I can, I can read it to you. Because that, by the way, that yeah. happens all the time where you may have a law that... On paper, you could argue like, oh, no, no, but this law only covers certain scenarios. But in practice, the fact, the mere fact of the law being in place has a much more larger ripple effect on what it actually does to change consumer behavior or distributor behavior or anything like that. Because people are are taking like a much broader interpretation of what the law is, even though it actually doesn't include that. So who, who would be taking that interpretation? You mean the store owner in that case? Because there is a, either the store owner who thinks that they can't sell this anymore or the distributor of the product who's saying, as a distributor, I'm not going to get I'm this not anymore. Gonna, yeah, I'm not going to take a chance. Because I don't want to take a chance, right? So, so I think th- it's more like be, that. There could be the, self-regulation that is going on here yep. that goes beyond the scope of what this law is because people just don't take the time to actually read these things and what they actually mean. The equivalent would be we want to ban- well, I don't want to get fined. Or, sure. And there's always that worry about that. And there is that. a fine of a $250 fine for each violation. Right. So points is a huge incentive, right? To, to Correct. Not- but the equivalent would be, Jesus, if there was a proposition to ban any flavored alcoholic like seltzer or any transmit, right. you know, uh, thing and you not being able to buy beer in the store right, as a result. Right. Yeah, yeah, no, I get that. That's what I'm saying. But, but in those cases, once again, I think it may be a case where people are looking at that law and then taking a really broad interpretation of it. That's why you do got to be, you know, even when people make the argument like, no, 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 but this law wouldn't affect all these other scenarios. Like, yeah, but you got to think about the, there's humans that are going to interpret right. these these policies and that make personal decisions on whether they want to carry it because of the actual risk or implied risk in their mind that maybe they're, that may not even actually exist. Right. So play, play this out with me though. Mm-hmm. Just last point on this. We can move on. But I thought, fast forward to December 21st. Yep. Okay. You're going to have the entire state of California. Mm-hmm that has now removed all these products and people having nicotine fixes. Now, remember that a lot of the usage of this is for people to stop smoking. Right. Okay. 
So what's going to happen? You're going to have people having nicotine fits, wanting to get their nicotine. They can't get it in the state of California yet. My guess is that that law in its implementation is actually going to dramatically increase the number of people who smoke cigarettes. Now, to get to, <laughs> to, get to the nicotine. <laughs> and so, but what's the difference between that and a nicotine patch, Charlie? Is it just preference? Um, is a nicotine patch basically is that like is it also is I mean, a vehicle it, to give you nic- nicotine? There, there is. I mean, well, I think the the main difference is nicotine patches historically. I mean, at least the the purpose of them is to stop getting is to wean yourself off of nicotine. This is a conscious decision to still be on nicotine. For me, got it. Yeah, yeah. other people do. They, this actually comes in different milligrams. So people buy the big one, then they start weaning themselves can, off. Right, 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 right. But my thought was, wouldn't it be ironic that, if this law the to time, pass dude. this is going to jack all up the, the number of people smoking, lung cancer in hospitals, yeah. and like all this of this is, stuff. This, you know what this is going to end up being? Five years from now, this is going to be an episode of Freakonomics Radio. Well, they'll talk about all of the unintended effects that happened when a law like this gets passed, it, because it happens all the time. And the cost- it happens all the, the time. It does. And the cost, so so who's like, if you were going to lay like how to optimize that process, like where would you start? Yeah, yeah I think it, it speaks to how thorough these policymakers are being and actually doing a real assessment, a real analytical assessment of the impact that a decision like this actually has long-term and either economic viability or the actual health viability of the constituent that you're trying to serve. Because that's what we're talking about here, right? You're, you're talking about the case that, hey, this in at face value may seem like the right thing. I'm fact, that was actually the argument, if I remember correctly, around, around vaping and saying, no, 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 we should actually allow vaping because vaping is actually a, a safer form of people consuming some of these products than actually cigarettes. Mm-hmm. And by having vaping, you actually are, people are creating, you're causing less harm, even though we really wouldn't want people to, to vape anyway, or we wouldn't want them to, to vape vaping. either, yeah. to start vaping. But at yeah. the same time, it's actually a better proxy or a better a better uh, um, yeah, usage of that, right? Yeah. And you could sort of think about the similar analysis with all kinds of things, right? I mean, I actually think that this is why I'm, I've become more and more pro-legalization of drugs because I think the longer-term impact, I always trying to say, put it say the moral one, but, I, but obviously that's a tricky one sure. to say. Yeah. But what I mean is like, when you look at the actual impact, health and economic impact of a society by having legal access to drugs versus having illegal access to drugs, I just think the long-term ability for our society, I think is better by having something be regulated than not being unregulated. Uh, but it's a tough one for people. It's a tough one because at face value, like, do I yeah. really want to have cocaine be legal in a specific area? And like, if I'm 18 and over, you do you really want to have kids be able to access this? Or let's call it 21 over, fine. Like, And there's a lot of moral issues that have sure. to be addressed with that. And you still have to draw a line at some point. I just heard sure, uh, you, FBI you, director Christopher Ray was uh, testifying recently, and he <laughs> talked about them, the FBI making a seizure of one car, literally one vehicle, that was carrying enough fentanyl to kill the entire state of Pennsylvania. It's like, so even in a regulated, highly regulated, well, a good marketplace for legalized drugs, is fentanyl on that marketplace? Well, that's my point. But that's been that's what's been going on. Look, we've had a number of celebrities that have died because of things that have been laced with fentanyl, right? Uh, people, and I don't know if it's like they're doing cocaine. I'm not sure what the drug is that they're using that is laced with, but that has, that has been going on quite a bit. and And that's... You know, that's a, a massive, massive problem. So you're right. Maybe in the case of fentanyl, I don't know. The, I don't know. I just don't know enough about fentanyl. Like if there is any version of that that still works. Well, they do. Or it, that could be, mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? That could still be. It is a scheduled drug that they do use in hospital settings. for. But it's like, I mean, under super Yeah, so, you know, so maybe it's that. I don't know. They, but you're right. There are probably some lines to be drawn across the board. But it is, this whole idea of unintended consequences is really, really interesting. Um, 
There was actually you reminded me. We're going completely off the subject, but you reminded me of, of a, a, of a great a great conversation I was hearing. Um, but I tell you that I like listening to uh, Pivot, right? Yeah, the podcast. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, the name of the, I always forget the guy the guy's name, but anyways, he was making an argument. Scott Galloway. Scott Galloway. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So he was talking. I'm always about, your remember the I guy's know, name. I don't I even know. listen to that show, and I know I that know, name. I know, man. You're you're great at that, and I'm terrible. And Kara uh, Swisher is the other one. And Kara Swisher, that's mm-hmm. right. So he was making an argument today about the um, the actual economic impact that Twitter is going to have mm-hmm. uh, by actually taking by the position that at least seems to be that Elon is taking of of having a, a platform that is looking to it's coming off that he's leaning pretty hard right at this point. It, it mm-hmm. seems like with some of his policies, some of the people that he's getting involved, and whether or not that's a a good thing or a bad thing for Twitter as a whole. And the example that he used was talking about first Nike when Nike decided to embrace Colin Kaepernick and when he was taking a knee. Remember when the, when the whole thing yes, became part of a, of a big spot. Remember you and I we talked about this yeah. when that when that came out. Mm-hmm. And my argument, which I was I was like kind of happy to hear him say like, oh, that's actually similar to what I was saying, is that I think at the end of the day, when you look at who their core consumer is for that pro- from majority of Nike products, that kind of messaging will resonate more to that audience. Therefore, people that will be offended by that who are not really core consumers of that product, right? And, and, and the argument makes that when you looked at where their consumers are, there is a big chunk, I forgot what number he said, like two thirds that are not in the US. And for non-US consumers, they do see the US in general as having just not great policy as relates to race relations as being like one of the kind of blind spots of the country. So they understood their consumers. So, so yeah. And then the other one that are in the US, a big part of them are young and multicultural, mm-hmm. right? So if you're young and multicultural, you're a lot more likely to be pro that kind of stance, supported or neutral to that kind of stance than be against it. And for those that were against it is usually would be people that are not going to be consumers. So the net result of that stance was a positive lift for the brand in terms of consumer, how they view the brand, how they're consuming the product, that was a good move. And then he's making the argument about Twitter, right? And then specifically Twitter and also even Tesla specifically, like the moves that, that Elon is making is that good in general for that consumer base, right? And when you think about people that are using Twitter, his argument was that there, when you look at the actual share of those that are Twitter users that are that are more on the liberal side than conservative side of the equation, like neutral or, or liberal, um, he actually talked about that, but the, actually the bigger one was more like the impact that it's having on Tesla. Actually, you and I have talked about this. Like yeah. my argument is I think that all of these things that he's doing is eventually going to catch up with them. But more importantly, on what on Tesla is the one that probably matters more because I think Twitter to me is just, it's such a debacle that was going on there. They've lost so much corporate, like so much enterprise value in such a short period of time that that's going to be really hard to bring back up, even if some of these moves ultimately pay off. The issue is like, what is it doing to Tesla? And when you look at Tesla, the share of people that are, he, I don't forget what report he was, he mentioned the specific report, the share of consumers of Tesla products are a lot of, a big chunk of them are actually, uh, will be considered more on the liberal sure, side. I'm sure, because mostly an urban car. And they talked, and he was saying that there was a report that just came, came out, a consumer report that talked about like how they view the Tesla brand and what the drop off had been there. And among those that were more progressive or liberal, it was like a 20 something percent droppage point of how they view the brand. And in those that were conservative, it was like a plus 3%. Right, so not so, enough, so, not enough gains to offset the. So decline. you literally not even the not enough gains. A much smaller base of oh, those consumers yeah. are are conservative, and their gains are smaller than the drop off that you're having in a much larger but share isn't it of, just your, a bit, of your consumer it, base. But isn't it just a? Couldn't you argue though that the the what's called the serviceable addressable market is what it was, but you could actually change what makes up that service? For sure, you could. Yeah, yeah. In so, other words, a total addressable market is everybody who drives a car. 
it, it is correct, but but it, this is where then this positioning of what the brand is. Yeah. Ultimately, you should talk about an, an electric car brand, mm-hmm. right? That when you put aside the, the politics, part of what's made is a is a higher end electric car brand that you can say will position the people that are have either sustainability or have some kind of like I care about the environment somewhere in their in their ecosystem in their in their decision value, making decision yeah. making right mm-hmm. in terms of how they view themselves in the world yeah. And part of the question, like, okay, how well does that messaging align at the end of the day with these different constituent groups? And by the moves that you're making, what does it do to your current consumer base? And to, you, to your point, the potential addressable base, right? Mm-hmm. I, my argument with, with, with Tesla, I do think Tesla's going to get hurt quite a bit by the moves that Elon is making. Just in the same way that you can't argue that, that Kanye, and they're not in the same category because I'm, I'm just bringing, they're very different mm-hmm. people, but Kanye for sure has hurt his base of who his audience is. I mean, he's like so off the deep end, mm-hmm. but at some point, as popular as he's been, as good as that brand has been seen, I think that that's the bigger the bigger nut that's gonna that's still to fall yet and it's gonna get uh, quite a bit hurt. What do you make of the the thought that if that's true, what you said, then mm-hmm. wouldn't it be showing up in Twitter in the usage of the platform? In other words, according to Musk, over the last couple months since he took over, their usage has never been like they have record breaking day after day, week after week. Yeah. Would that be an argument that the market is expanding? I don't know, man. It's I, I, there could be two things. Is like when there's a train wreck, do people show up to see the wreckage? Yes. Also, thing I also seeing data around how much people are leaving the platform. You're definitely seeing mass exodus from advertisers, right? So you see massive drops. Although drops he claimed there. this week that they're back, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, his only thing claim about being back was about uh, Apple. About um, Apple. Yeah, about Apple, and that was a whole lot to do about nothing in that in that in that situation. Uh, so I, I don't know, man. I mean, there's there's a there's a case to be made maybe that there is high, uh, like all time high in terms of usage. Those are the kind of data that probably become funky numbers because if he's talking about like taking off certain accounts or taking off bot accounts and who's actually active, right? I don't know. It depends I mean, on how you slice it. It just depends how you slice it. Yeah, uh, but that's at least if I if I am to have a prediction, I think that's where I think this is going. So this is from NBC News. This is a week ago. Twitter has grown under Elon Musk, mainly in the U.S. data shows. Twitter downloads have increased, especially in the U.S., according to independent analysis. But forecasting the app's future is not that simple. And then it kind of breaks it all it, mm-hmm. it all down. I do know and I have heard. So th- this is the actual stat, by the way. That according mm-hmm. to Apptopia, downloads of Twitter in the U.S. are averaged at about 125,000 a day during a recent 31-day period, a figure that's 23% higher than the previous... I guess, period of time sure. that, they, that they measured, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we also know that utilization doesn't always correlate with monetization, right? That's one yeah, thing yeah, for yeah. sure. I also think that's just, there is so much controversy going on right now that there's a, uh, there's that human aspect of interest and see like what's happening there that people want to go, go to that I think could be also- There definitely the is a little bit of a look, looky-loo effect. The other <laughs> thing that I would, I don't know if I would challenge it, but it's just a, another perspective is mm-hmm. this idea of a, of a hard right is that a hard right lean or a correction of what was a very hard left lean? Like, what's the difference between those two statements? I, I don't know. It's all, it's all based on perspective, I guess. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's, it, a, that's a relative if conversation. You, if you have, I understand that, but I'm saying like somebody might say, okay, well, if everything, if 80% of the conversation is really a left kind of conversation, then all of a sudden we're having a lot of right conversations. Mm-hmm. You could say we're moving right, but on an absolute basis, maybe we're drawing more to the middle. Yeah, I just I just think that this is a case where because he is the CEO 
and he is making the kind of statements that he's making, I think he's pushing it hard right as opposed to a correction to the middle because you've never had a CEO at Twitter. Frankly, there is no other platform that I could think of outside of like Truth Social. I think. Let's, mm-hmm. let's, but like of the main platforms where there's ever been like a stated position that I'm going to troll people. I'm going to put out messages mm-hmm. and, and really be like partisan in my approach of whatever I say. If anything, those guys try to not do that as much as they can, even though, even if their platform is even though it's primarily, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, but they try not to do that. At least there's like a pretend <laughs> portion right. here. Right. I mean, even like, art. even if you think about Zuckerberg, once again, using the Mount Olympus to make final decisions on content, he purposely removes himself from the equation of making final decisions of what happens on accounts being suspended, et cetera to try to appease people that is actually not as far left as what it actually is. The other thing with Elon is like, there's just a practical aspect of this. I mean, the guy's running Neuralink, Tesla, the boring company, Twitter. He's got a thousand other investments and whatever. Like, when does that, like, when does that guy just blow up, like implode? Like, no, man. There's only a certain amount that you can process as a human being. It, it, it is. I mean, if you're, if you're the, the board of, of Tesla, what are, you, what are you thinking right now? Like, dude, I mean, we've raised money before and people want to know that you're 100% focused on the little thing you're trying to build. You but, know what I mean? But that, but that company is worth so much. It's such a much bigger deal than, than, uh, than Twitter. Than Twitter. And you're sitting there tweeting with Kanye that he's like crossed the line too much. Like that's what you're spending your time doing? Right. See what I'm saying? <laughs> I don't know, man. There I was just, a quote. That's, that's weird to me. There was a quote that I read. I don't know if this is real, but uh-huh. of like he actually answered the question in some recent um, town hall. Um. Yeah, of like why he bought it. Have you read this quote? I mean, there's no. a bunch of different variations of it, but he the, the quote is, free speech is the bedrock of a functioning democracy and Twitter is the digital town square where, matter, where matters vital to the future of humanity are debated. This is what he said like just a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if he's right about the, the, the impact of Twitter, but he seems like he's serious about that as the reason why he would make that, that, that purchase. You know what I mean? I guess. I mean, it's all interesting then to me having the same person who's all about free speech harassing Apple, who supposedly like took advertising away from from the platform, stop advertising. I mean, isn't that a form of free speech? And and as a brand, can brands decide who they support or not? Of like, course. why is that a? Yeah. And you're like, first of all, like. The, the Apple, I think they're just great the way they handle things. Like there was no response, except no controversy. For, hey, c- just come over. Except we'll, we'll, for the little tour. Except for the Chinese protest stuff. Did you see Tim Cook getting? Um, you didn't see this. This Mm-mm. is another of our of our bubbles. Um, so there was a reporter trying to ask him about how he felt that in China the protesters can't use AirPlay because they disabled that feature because the government basically said we don't want it because that's how the protesters were communicating with each other, mm. and so now they can't. Right. And so there was somebody asking him, like literally one of those where they're following the guys, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. walking for 20 minutes. The guy didn't say a word. It was an awful look that I yeah, saw in this video. Yeah, yeah. That's, dude, it's, it's very tricky uh, because of the dependence on China. And I think uh, they're already doing this, but continue to spread their dependence on other places yeah. and try to reduce their dependence on China in general. I mean, this kind of goes back to, I know we're jumping That was place. another thing, the China situation. We haven't talked about that yeah, either. Like you really have to be thoughtful about like it, it, these are, is I think it's beyond just being frenemies. Like, like the more as a country we can reduce our dependence on China, or our dependence on all of the oil producing countries that are super unstable, I just think we're just better off. The wild thing about the China protests is how they started, because the World Cup tipped that off. Did oh, you know I that? No, I didn't know that. The World Cups, which is we haven't talked about either, but mm-hmm. um, 
the apparently, and I don't know how this works in China, but some images of the World Cup games uh, in Qatar started flowing through whatever the state sanctioned or approved kind of media is. And people saw all of these people from different countries coming together at a massive event and they weren't masked. And to them, it was like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole world has like moving on from this and we're in hazmat suits still. And they started yeah. freaking out. And it's like, you know, some people have compared it with what happened with Tiananmen Square years and years ago, right. which was the last time that kind of things in China bubbled up and those didn't right. last very long. So I thought that was, it was kind of wild how a platform like the World Cup can actually kick that off. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how I feel about, I mean, I don't know what people, that that's the motivation of every protester, but it was pretty, some of the videos pretty, pretty brutal of like how the, the, the protesters are you know, I guess being dealt with or whatever. Yeah, no. And how they're, you know. It's a crazy regime. But by the way, and, and this is part of, I guess, what he's doing is he's, uh, he hasn't announced that he's moving uh, chips production to the United States, right? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so that's part of, I think, part of what what, uh, what just started coming out that he's going to be doing. So uh, I just think working with China is just, is just difficult. Um, is there anything the to talk about, Kanye? That hasn't it's, been said already? I mean, a, it's like... It's such a shit show at this point. It's like, how does anyone even have him on anymore? Yeah, I mean, for, for even Alex Jones to be like, hey, dude, <laughs> I don't think you quite mean that. <laughs> like, I think Well, that guy just even, lost a billion even, dollars. So, even you know, Alex he's Jones to, was like, yeah, that may be slightly too far. He's got a long PR tour yet to come to fix his it's image. Just, it's just, that's hilarious. When, I, when, you, when you've done too much to get Alex Jones to be like, yeah, man, that, that may... Even as that conspiracy theory, maybe a little, a little much. This reminds me a little bit, and we t we touched on it earlier, but there was a there was a a, a time. Remember uh, when Joaquin Phoenix went on to the late night shows and kind of acted insane mm -hmm. and kicked off this whole firestorm of is he really nuts? And he did some weird like art installation where he sat with a bag over his head for a while, and all of it was just some weird stunt. Did right. you do you remember this at all? Yeah, I do remember this. There was some sense, and I'm not saying it was a stunt, but I'm saying there was. <laughs> Definitely, I haven't watched the whole interview, but I saw enough of it where he's wearing like the thing over his head yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's talking about, you know, all these different things about Hitler and the Nazis, where I think he's literally trying to see like what all the sacred cows that can be destroyed. It, it seemed like it was a performance art thing. Like it, it got so nuts that yeah. it seemed like. He brought out like a prop that was like, he was doing the voice for this like uh, fly. Uh, what was it? It was like. Um, Did you see the whole thing? I saw a big chunks of it, no, and, and he's thing. just like he just—he's so off the reservation. I mean, it's which is not a great term to use, <laughs> obviously. But uh, is like the dude is just—I mean—he kept on talking how much he loves Hitler and how is this the media that's been like uh, that's framed Nazis as they're doing all bad. There's so much good that they've done that uh, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, like the I think he was also denying the Holocaust as well. I want to say. I, I mean, it was it. just. It, I mean, once again, Alex Jones looked like he was like, "Fuck this!" Like, what are we yeah, doing? What do? let's, let's get this guy off. I just, you know, I just declared bankruptcy, you know, a couple of days ago because I got myself in trouble. Like, last thing I want is this dude, yeah, bringing more stuff here, you know. No. So I definitely, just, feel, I definitely yeah. feel for him, but I just think that there was a there was it wasn't there was some intentionality in in that, like to just I think create some weird kind of performance out yeah. of it that just it was like, what buttons can I push? Um, yeah. it was bizarre, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that, I think that's, uh, that's been played out. Did, uh, Herschel Walker, uh, win or lose tonight? 
What's the latest? Uh, the latest. Look it up. Uh, he's catching up a little bit now. He's actually what? almost tied. Yeah. So it's it? at. Uh, uh no, actually he's ahead at fifty percent. Uh, so oh, fifty point six on. Yeah. Yeah. So about sixty percent of the votes. Dude, are that in. changed fast. We were just that looking changed, at it ten minutes ago, and it was like forty four percent. That changed quickly, but I'm guessing it's because they're counting all of the the um, uh, all of the votes that are being done right now. How many? Uh, what percentage of the precincts are reporting? It, it just says estimated vote is sixty one percent. I'm not sure what that means in terms of precincts. Oh, I'm looking at it right here. It says fifty seven percent reporting. So half of the ballots in and. Yeah, it's pretty tight. 50.4, neck and neck. So we'll see what happens. But even if he wins, though, it's still, the Democrats still have control with the tiebreak, right? It, it, yes, that's yeah. correct. That's so correct. no change, basically, no matter No what. change, but I'll, I'll still be shocked if um, Herschel Walker wins. Shocked. I mean, but but what's the difference between winning and having literally half the vote right now? I mean, it's like, it seems like it's a pretty split thing. I mean, yeah, so yeah, for sure. What would yeah. be shocking if you had one tenth of one percentage more? It's like, whatever you're shocked about, you should be shocked about now is what I'm saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure. The fact that it's even this close is crazy. It's mm. crazy to me. That's like such a terrible candidate. Like, I, I just don't understand how that happens. I think people were taking the route of like, it's all about name recognition. That's really what it comes down to, man. It's like... Name recognition and being a part of the right party. I think it's voting against too. I think a lot of it. That's is what, I'm, that. what I'm saying. Yeah. So it's like, what party's next to your name, and they'll recognize the name. That's it. Has nothing to do with like quality of candidate. Um. Yeah, probably agree with you. Um. Do, do you want to talk about this uh, NLP thing? Sure. This natural language processing. So, did you read the article? I did. You did not. I did. Wow, that was fast. Um. So just to kind of tee it up for folks it's listening. The Atlantic is like. <laughs> Whatever that I writes a piece is like minimum twenty thousand words, and and you know big big words too. I always like the Atlantic. Um, I just I think it really really good writing. So they, they pay by the weight. I think not not by the, <laughs> they print it. They put it on a scale. You want to know what would be really know? funny is if it turned out that the article we just read on AI was actually written by AI. Part of it was written on AI. They actually they talk about it. did you miss that, did you miss that piece? Yeah, but it was an example of how it works, not that. Well, he like he he like literally that's a chapter you as you read it like oh by the way the the chapter you just read or the paragraph oh, you just read is that really by, I missed that uh -huh. so here here's the article this came out a few weeks back but um, by the way and I knew he was gonna do that like oh did was, you yeah, I, yeah I, that was a great reveal I saw that coming pretty pretty long the article is called of God and machines and it's in the technology section of the Atlantic and it's basically talking about the future of artificial intelligence um, and specifically something called NLP which is which stands for natural language processing mm -hmm. and they give the example at least what, what kind of tuned me up to it was this application called pseudo write um, and there's a number of other ones there's one called chat GPT which I just heard about today by the way mm -hmm. which which apparently is what all copywriters are not using to basically get their work done really fast. Because what this natural language processing does is it operates on these different pieces of information that are derived from huge data sets of written and spoken speech. And then it's processed by supercomputers to basically interpret or you know deliver human speech and human writing at like extraordinary scales. So as an example, the part that caught my attention was you can put a line from, you know, a sonnet from Shakespeare, something from Hamlet or, you know, one of one of one of his plays, or you could do a, you know, play from David Mamet or whoever. Just pick your writer, put in one sentence in that particular style, and this NLP will process it to such a degree that it'll continue to write the story with characters, with, you know, history notes and motifs. And 
a way that is unrecognizable. It's not even unrecognizable. It's a new creation in the voice or in the style of what this author would have intended. And it's it's like practically unrecognized or, or indistinguishable from mm-hmm. like original works of art. Right. So you have this dynamic where you can imagine the applications. A lot of it is instantly, how do I get my work done faster, right? So you could you could type in your ad campaign or right. your blog post or whatever it is, and it'll literally just spit out the whole thing done in whatever style you want with whatever, you know, kind of uh, creative motifs attached to it. And it is fascinating to me, but also like, kind of chilling right because right i was thinking to myself just yeah what 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 do you find chilling about well here's the thing not maybe uh, so a couple things number one is that it's another maybe nail in the coffin of what i see is a dearth in real creativity i think that as a civilization we've gotten very good at innovation which is taking something and adding the next layer or variable but the actual creation of something we're increasingly moving away from so that's Mm. one reason why i don't like it that's interesting the other one is that i think that it if you fast forward, just like we now have labels for organic, like that's a very new thing. When we were coming up, it was like, it was just food, right? Right. Now there's organic. I can imagine a future where a book or an article or a podcast says like or, like organic or human made, right? not machine made, but that the Ooh. default becomes... But then it becomes a premium if it's all human made. See, look I mean, at the you. reality at is you. organic is the most expensive... The eternal marketer. Oh, yeah. That's true. Of course. Organic is the most expensive thing you can find. So, yeah, so, but, but most of all, it's reason number one that I think it's, it's, it can be kind of sad. Um, and of course there's, you know, I looked, I looked on the app store, I typed in AI app and like 80% of it is like the girl you can design, who's going to like love you and talk to you (laughs) and take her clothes off when you tell her to. And it's like, dude. You know what I mean? Like that's where we that's our first go to drives all technology innovation. It's crazy. I mean, it just it just does. It just does. All right, so I don't like that either. Uh, it, yeah, that's true. Uh, what do you think about is, when you read this? Terrible. Space? It, it's it's really interesting. Um I think I think what I what I find really interesting about about reading this story is how little it actually requires of like source material to start really creating like a pretty complex storyline like even in the in the chapter in the paragraph i'm sorry that that he then in the article talks about that it was written by ai he he notes what the actual prompt was and you look at the prompt versus how much was written just on word count i would say it was probably 10 percent, maybe less than that yeah maybe it spit out 90 percent. yeah my point and and I, I, it was funny it was like i was reading it i was like this this this, this paragraph is like odd I thought it was something odd about it, but I didn't. It didn't dawn on me what it was. But it was so interesting that actually my brain kind of caught it. Uh, and right. I noticed that, like when I was reading, I'm like, it's kind of just a weird fucking weird, weird phrasing or something. Yeah, I just I said about it was just odd. I couldn't I couldn't tell what it was. And then I'm like, oh, that's interesting. This is this is one that's, that's one that is that is in that category. Look, when it comes to AI, I think that the part that is interesting for me in this specific piece. And, and with natural language processing is to your point about creativity, right? And creativity has been, I think, for a long time, uh, one of this one of those like holy grails that even as much innovation we've had around technology and especially artificial intelligence, is, there's always like some thinking like, yeah, computers make it maybe really good at processing data and making a lot of calculation really quickly, but there's still an element that creativity is still owned by us as humans, right? That you can't really get there. Now this starts to now chip away at that pretty quickly. Right, like, well, maybe it can be 
actually also handled through technology where creativity can be like new ideas can be created. Like outsourcing creativity. Outsourcing creativity, right? And and that becomes a really interesting question for us. Like, well, well but if it's not then create if creativity isn't our thing, then what is our thing? Right. And look, I would I would make the argument that for a long time, this has been a this has been an evolution, right? Look, our thing early, early, way back in the day, right? Um was tools. Right? Like what made us different from other animals? Oh, we can make tools. Well, there's some like monkeys that can do some tools. But for the most part, like we make tools better than other people. Yeah. Then tools wasn't our thing anymore. Then machines made tools. I'm like, fuck, okay, so it's not tools. That's not our thing anymore. Like, oh yeah, we could think about things much better than other things. Right. And then the thinking and thinking about how do you think? Well, calculation. We calculate things that and then that wasn't our thing anymore. I'm like, oh, fuck, machines now. As a matter of fact, is uh if you ever watched the movie um it's a story about the like the three African American women that were uh, oh, the uh, hidden co- figures, hidden figures, hidden figures, right? Yeah. And uh, they they were actually considered um, what were they called? They were, they were uh, it's like a like a term for machine or uh, for computer. Like yeah, they were called computers because they would compute, right? So it, it, that actually term I didn't realize, it, but actually was a term that was given to people that whose job was to it makes compute. Sense. It makes complete you sense. You are someone who computes. You're a computer. You're a computer, right? And now that that term was no longer ever given to people because the people that are, or the things that are computing are no are, longer people. Are no longer people. So now they're machines, right? So that, okay, so that's not our thing. Okay, so creativity is our thing, right? Because right. computers can't do that. And like, oh, fuck, maybe that's not our thing. So then, mm-hmm. so then the question for you, Charlie, like, well, what's, then what's left? Mm-hmm. And maybe what's left is like, well, there's emotion. There is emotion that is irrational, right? We've talked about like, well, you know, now you had this, uh, a podcast episode a while back where you talk like make someone human. And like, well, maybe it is about irrational emotions. When I see something that sparks an emotion that when you look at all the facts, you're like, why does this make you sad or happy? Like what caused that emotion? What was that memory that came back? Or, And I think that's a really interesting question for us. Which, frankly, I think if you're a religious person, I think you could be a little excited about this. Be like, well, there is a piece that, at least to date, is still going to hard to replicate or Mm. to replace through computers that can be fully explained. That is sort of beyond the things that can be rationalized, and maybe that's the realm where, as humans, we like will continue to shine. And maybe as humans, Mm. that's what we could focus on, right? Where because our focus has stopped being about creating tools, it stopped being about computing, right? We have machines that can do that for us, maybe we can focus more inward and mm-hmm. in, in what we feel about things and, and things that are more like higher, like elevated thought. That's kind of interesting thought if that's what what results from this. Yeah. I'm being super optimistic no. <laughs> in my point of view, but I just, I just thought about it from that perspective of like, this is like, we can't, we, as human, we continue to have to redefine what our thing is. Yeah. I mean, in our, you can answer that question a variety of different ways. I think a lot of what our thing is are things that are virtues like love and justice mm-hmm. and hope. Like no matter what the technology is, those are things that can't be recreated. And it's all born out of the fact that at least philosophically, we've got reason and intellect and will, and those are things that machines don't have. I think this for me, though, does force the question of what is creativity? Because if you're looking at this from a technology standpoint, creativity is just the iteration of something new. Is that really creating or is that modifying information to create a new house of cards that looks different than the one that came before? Because that's what this is doing. It's just doing it on a massive scale. Mm-hmm. Oh, just, just two seconds on this. It says um, the NLP programs operate... Um, I'm sorry, use 175 billion parameters. Mm-hmm. In other words, this thing that, we, that I was just goofing on was using 175 billion parameters. 
Its interpretive power is far beyond human understanding, far beyond what our little animal brains can comprehend. Machine learning has capacities that are real, but which transcend human understanding. The definition of magic is what he actually says in this article. And it's, to me, it's like crazy. You know what I mean? Because I had never interacted with a technology that could actually sound like something someone would have done, uh, but that wasn't done. You see what I'm saying? It's like, it's, 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 it's like, it is approaching the creative. It's still not in a, it from is. my standpoint, it but is. it is approaching it. The other thing was the guy in the, the guy who wrote the article um, cites a, uh, an example of this NLP technology with a guy who built a program to basically recreate his dead wife. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about a movie like plot. So he's, and, and he shows like a piece of the dialogue. Right. And he's like, where it's are, super interesting. Right? It's super free. He's like, where are you? I don't know. And like, he's you like know, everywhere. She, yeah. She goes, I'm everywhere, I guess. You know, what are you doing? That is I miss you. Very freaky. That's super freaky. At the same time, it's like, it's freaky, but like, I don't know, man. Is there something there about, you know, as humans, we, we've, we're kind of built to never want to die, to always want to like remain, to be able to continue to have connections with those that are past. You know, how many people go to um, like mediums, try to connect with people that are passing, you know, like we do, we talk about, we talk about from our Latino culture, Day of the Dead. Part of it is like remembering and reconnecting with your, Mm -hmm. with your loved ones. If, if technology could be a way to help bridge that gap for some people, like. Do you think it does that though? Or do you think it's a false promise in the same way that social media was supposed to connect us and all we are is hating on each other constantly? I'm sure. I'm sure all of these things will end up just being, you know, used for not good purposes. I mean, it's just, but, but can it have that effect on some people? Yeah. I, I think it could be really interesting. I mean, so, so when you start thinking about people that are dealing with loss, having this ability to have like one final conversation with someone you didn't really get a chance to, to have that, like, even if they're in their mind, they know that this is not, this is not real. I know this is not them. Like, what does that do to the psyche? Mm, there's a lot of people who this take, is like, who know heroin isn't good for them, but take it is, anyway. This is the matrix kind of conversation, I, right? I, I've said for a while. At, that, at what point do you want to take the, you know, we'll keep on having the green pill. But like, we hey, have, I know it's not steak, but we, in my mind, it, it tastes like steak. We have raised the, we have come to this, to the age and civilization where something can be imagined. The technology is there or about to be there to support it. Like we're that right, close. Right. We're that close. If you can imagine it, right? The, the thing of movie plots, Matrix came out in 1999 yeah it was like an out there psycho kind of thought and now we've got Neuralink. like it's basically similar it's like you know there's some allows you to connect how fast your brain works with outcomes in the world i mean it's like right i mean honestly for me imagined i would love absolutely love to have a conversation with both my grandparents Mm. With my my grandfather specifically, right? Like on my dad's side, like I would love to talk to him. Sure, and so would I. And, and, I, and, and, it's and just from like, a Christian standpoint, I believe I still can. But yeah, what, what, but what, what you know, you wouldn't be though. Is my point? Yeah, but even if I wouldn't, if this, it's a it, simulation, it's a you, simulation that I like. Even if I, someone told me this is just you know, you're not real. What we're taking is what we know of your grandfather, things that he wrote, things that he uh, went where he lived, as much as we know about his life. Right, and kind of kind of experiences the time that he was in. I mean, my grandfather's like super interesting. I'm sure life, right? Like yeah. he was a he was a bootlegger at the time. Really? <laughs> yeah, in Mexico, and like there was time where he got like literally chased, and and they sure. were like shooting at him, and he was he was like out of a fucking movie. Like That's... I would love to have, and I didn't I didn't know that until like I was an adult. Mm-hmm. I never had that conversation with him. 
Like I would love to have that conversation with them mm-hmm. and just kind of learn more about that. And if and if you knew all of that, even for simulation, like. The part that worries me is the idea of having a conversation with. It'd be more like I can see get I can see you up until it's a conversation with. I could see saying like I'd like to understand how my grandfather may have reacted to a situation like this. Sure, yeah, I'm using maybe a shorthand of it, but what I mean is like that kind of where I could ask questions and 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 get some response that's reasonably based on what we know might have been the right conversation you can say with whatever with the ai representation of what my grandfather would have been or or, i don't know i i I do as much as i think like oh maybe this feels a little wrong like the selfish part of me would be like man that would be it's gonna be a crazy world in about 100 years man um, yeah for sure for sure i just worry that a lot of this stuff that is supposed to be like you you said you just described a very noble beautiful kind of scenario in the same way that, like, you, you know, you know what I just described, Charlie, <laughs> to nerd out, is um, Superman. Mm-hmm. That's what I described, right? The scenario where Superman goes to the what do you call it, fortress the, of uh, yeah, the whatever. ice fortress and puts the crystal in the thing, and then he starts talking to his dad. Yeah, and his dad is like the, gone, but he's, he's still gone, talking but to it's him. like remnant of, of of what he was, and like he and talks it's because to him in that, the present tense. Remember like, that is exactly remember, what remember that is. the very first thing is a disclaimer when he drops that green crystal and is like, "This is you know this." There's like some disclaimer that the yeah. machine or whatever spits out saying that this is reconstructed. This is like from the echo of his, the echo. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. So right? you know you're not. He's not really there, but nevertheless, you can still interact. But with you have him. a whole conversation. Exactly what this is. I don't know, man. The selfish part of me would be like, that well, yeah, be, but that should that give you some great. inkling of which what it is. It's the selfish part of you. You know. Yeah, no, I'm pretty. I'm pretty self-aware. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Um, and and to some extent, look, if we. This is the, the, the beauty about mortality is that if we always have that, then do we really then value the life that we have mm. and the time that we have here, right? If it's always like, oh, you don't have to actually mend relationship with people because you have all the time in the world to talk to them in life or, or after, right? Like that's part of the downside if you think about it that way, right? Yeah, I would think that that would make people put off those conversations that's even I mean. longer. Yeah, that's what, that's what I mean, Charlie. Yeah. So like, I could see the negative effect of sure. that, right? Sure. Or I could talk to a version of this of this I'll person, not the, the actual person, yeah. right? No, I'm serious. Like, yeah, no, I know. Those are all potential downsides, but yeah, man, I would love a conversation with my grandfather. All right. Well, I, I would love a conversation with my grandfather too, um, but still very interesting. And then my, on my mom's side, my, my, my grandfather, as a matter of fact, I'm going to Guadalajara this weekend. Yeah, you mentioned. And... Uh, you know, he was a musician. He was a trumpet player. So the stories that he must have as a as a musician. Oh, heck you yeah. know, and yeah. he was in the Symphony of Guadalajara, uh, played the trumpet and also the French horn. I'm all and for using like, and all these like you know, our version or my version of him is as a kid mostly interacting with them, right? But now as an adult, being able yeah. to have that kind of an adult to adult conversation. And like, what were you doing when you were my age? Like, what was, what was life like? And what yeah. was going on? It's just, it's just I think we have to do a much better job of capturing the stories that are real, that exist. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, my mom is on a quest right now, writing down like That's great. memories and recording tapes and doing all this other kind of stuff. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I'm definitely going to value that um, you know, when, when she goes. So I guess everybody should check out the Atlantic uh, article and we'll put it in the show notes. Uh, Nick, that's a reminder to you to drop that link in the show notes because I'll forget. Nick is our producer do you have a courage or cringe this week jesus uh similar to it i have uh lenza did you hear about this no this is so lenza sounds like a new k-cup coffee brand exactly what is it so lenza is the ai portrait app that is that is like super popular so (laughs) if you've been on social recently 
they're like super like beautiful images that people are uploading about themselves, right? And I saw it like just a few the few days ago was the first time I saw it, and now like like I don't know, like twenty people have done this, right? And you're like, man, like super artistic, right? Um, and it turns out that this is an AI platform that is basically creating like you have to upload like ten images, and it will take those images and then create these artistic versions, renditions, renditions of them, right? Mm-hmm. So at first, at face value, we're like, oh, that's great. Like, I didn't think much of it. But the more you start digging into what it is and how mm-hmm. would that technology actually works is that it took a bunch of source material of real art to then use it as inspiration to create this new art, right? And now you're seeing a lot of folks in the artist community saying, like, wait a minute. Like, I can see where some of my art was used <laughs> yeah. as part of this inspiration. Where's and, my royalty? And while the position of the company is like, oh, we're democratizing art for everyone. Yeah. As it's all public domain. Exactly or how you would, you would do mm-hmm. it. Um, or, or not even that. Not even if it's public domain. But if it's derived so much of it that you can't really, like, point to. If it's, if it's like, a piece of art that is, like has inspiration from a sure. bunch of different sources. Like Van Gogh's you can say, brush strokes or something. You can say, well, who really takes claim on, on where this thing came from? And frankly, all art is done that way to some extent, right? But I guess maybe because of my inclination to towards real art and appreciation there, like I'm much more artist first approach when right. it comes to this. Because this is still so pixels my, we're talking about. We're not yeah. talking about oil on canvas yeah, or so, a sculpture. So that's why I think a technology, that, as cool as it is, and as much as I would love to have like frankly, version of this for my daughter, for my daughter, like I could have, like I would, like I'm actually cringe on this technology mm. for that reason. I think it actually just takes away some of that uh, power and uh, and creativity that real artists have. Hundred percent. And uh, and I get it for people that are doing this literally for the gram. What's it called? It's called uh, Lenza. Lenza. Like a okay. lens, but Lenza with an yeah, A at the end. with an A at the end, of course. Uh, Lenza, you must end on a vowel. That's Lenza rule AI. Digital is, branding is, uh, or Lenza is what it's Alexa. Called. Yeah. So anyway, I, so I agree I'm, with I'm, you. I'm cringe on that. I agree with That's you. Mine is so far afield from yours, Jesus. I'm actually going to go cringe on um, our friend Sam Bankman-Fried oh, okay. and that whole debacle on his apology tour. Let's just oh. do it on his apology. Have you seen any of these interviews? This is the, the FTX uh, ex The FTX ex-CEO. <laughs> no, I founder. Um, yeah, it, it, so I, I'm, I'm cringing on his apology tour. He's gone on a little bit of a media blitz. I don't know if this is advice from his, certainly not his lawyer, because I can tell you, uh, knowing lawyers and being involved in you know, other, I guess, cases or whatever. I know what you're supposed to say and not say, and he's not doing any of that. So maybe inspired by his PR person, but he's gone on a bunch of different shows, did Good Morning America, did um, a um, uh, financial investor conference, did a New York Times thing, a whole bunch of stuff. And the part that's like absent in any of this is any kind of a real apology. Like it's, it, it literally is, I'm being honest and open and forthright with you about all the things I don't know about how this happened, but there's no real apology in any of what he's saying. Right. Mm. And so on one side, you got people who are like, well, it's better that he's not, that he's talking than if he wasn't talking. But the whole purpose of it is to allow people to kind of vent and acknowledge some of the things that, you know, that have happened. And there's very little of that. The only acknowledgement that he's done that I've seen is, yeah, I probably should have had better systems in place. Or if I had it to do over again, I would do whatever. It's like, there are people who lost their like life, the, the, their whole life savings, right? Their mm-hmm. livelihoods in all of this. Mm-hmm. And it would just seem to me that if you really want to come across as actually honest and genuine, probably one of the reasons you do a media tour is to have something substantive there in the way of an apology. And there hasn't really been one. So mm-hmm. I'm a cringe on Sam Bankman-Fried, who only has $100,000 in the bank, according to him. 
even though he was doing all these interviews from some Bahamas, you know, luxury <laughs> uh, location. But maybe the creditors are coming. Who knows? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Oh, uh, by the way, this is like watching a uh, a boxing match. Now Warnock is back on top. Oh, is he? Okay, fifty point one percent versus forty nine point nine. I'm telling you that that's my point. Whatever you think, you should think uh, it now because this one's going to go down to the wire. So, it is, um, yeah, which is sad, but it is what it is. All right, Jesus. Um, I think that's all the time we have today. Very uh, mix of subjects. Uh, anything else? No, that's it. All right, friends. Well, if you're listening to our voice, that means you need to subscribe. Do it right now. Do it this moment. Subscribe to the show. Share this episode with a friend. We'll see you again next time on Unsiloed. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts.